0: Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, an up-close look coming at the TSP's tech transition and the security journey at the Air Force. It's Monday, August 15th, 2022. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast. Every afternoon, you'll learn what's going on today in government. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Francis Rose. Here's what's happening now. Two IT leaders are leaving the State Department. The Acting Chief Information Officer, Glenn Miller, says he'll leave at the end of the calendar year. The Department's Director of Cloud Programs, Brian Merricks, leaving the Department, too. No word yet on either person's next job. The Government Accountability Office will review the Thrift Savings Plan's transition to its new record-keeping system. GAO's Nikki Clowers writes her organization will begin the work in about three months. John Hewitt-Jones is writing about the TSP transition at fedscoop.com. John, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program. The Converge program that uh, Kim Weaver, the TSP, has been talking about on this program for a number of months has caused all kinds of problems for all kinds of people What did you learn about what GAO will look at regarding the Converge program? Welcome.
1: Thanks for having me, Francis. Uh, Yeah, so the Government Accountability Office probe is going to look at, uh, they say, matters relating to the new fifth thrift savings plan on the system, including the planning, contract awards, and implementation of the the Converge contract. Um, So, you know, we, we know historically from these types of IT contracts, um, the, 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 the process ahead of launching one of these revamps tends to be uh, long and protracted um, uh, and there'll be a great uh, a lot of detail relating to the, the rollout of this program that the, the, the watchdog will want to look at. The main con- contractor we know is Accenture Federal Services. Um, so their, 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 their contract, which was awarded in November 2020, um, that will be the, the, the principal um, uh, procurement that GAO is looking at here. Um, and of course, you know, this probe follows a request from, from Congresswoman Eleanor Holmes-Norton and Abigail Spamberger, who, who earlier this month um, actually wrote to, to GAO asking them to, to take this, um, to take, take a look at this matter. Um, as you mentioned, Francis, uh, this has been a long a long running issue um, and a Hill source I spoke to last week really highlighted the number of complaints that lawmakers have received uh, from constituents over this issue um, in the D.C. and Virginia area. These are federal officials, federal uh, uh, workers who who who, uh, who have to access their savings. Um, and after, as 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 you mentioned um, previously, uh, following the, the website rollout in in at uh, the beginning of June, a lot of a lot of federal uh, officials had trouble, you know, actually carrying out quite sort of basic functions, whether it's you know, logging into their accounts, uh, moving funds around. Um, and there have also been questions over over the um, uh, uh, whether or not. Uh, beneficiary information was rolled across from the old website to the new website uh, as as uh, um, in the way it should have been now thrift savings plan says that actually in some cases the beneficiary information wasn't put, wasn't rolled over on purpose uh, this is where the data for some reason wasn't quite right and then and confirmate and checks needed needs to be carried out or uh, in order to, to verify this information um, but they've told us that uh, you know if 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 a payout needed to have happened during this period then we would have got to the right person so um, there's some some sense of assurance there i think for for federal officials who've been concerned that you know were the worst to happen their their, their, their loved ones wouldn't wouldn't um uh, necessarily see receive uh, the the payout to which they're rightfully entitled um it, where do we go from here well um as of august 10 uh, the thrift savings plan has recorded nearly two million successful setups uh, with a registered total of 10.2 million users of the new platform, the new, the new website. Obviously there's a way to go here. Um, thrift savings plan have been have been candid about that. Uh, but but you know it does seem as if as if we are getting towards a place where more people are able to log into this platform and and, and to use the system. We've been told that the the AFS, Accenture Federal Services, has allocated significantly more resources to the call centre. This is the ThriftLine help desk service that that users have been calling when they've got an issue. Um, Speaking again with with the Hill Source last week, this has been one of the the key uh, pain points with the the platform where people calling in have been unable to access to to get help for, in some cases, as, as much as nine hours and calls have persistently dropped. Um, but we've talked, as I say, we've been told that AFS has allocated more resources, and wait times really are coming down. So, all in all, there's a way to go, it seems, with the rollout, but but we're told that, there, that more has also been allocated and there's a likelihood that um, those users in time will begin to get a better service and the kinks with this uh, new platform will be will be ironed out in, in the coming weeks.
0: Uh, you have a link at the uh, bottom of this story to my last conversation with Kim Weaver, who's the uh, Director of External Affairs spokesperson at the Thrift Savings Plan. And during that conversation, she talked about the fact that Uh, She expects that this is on uh, on a good path, that they are uh, going to keep the people that they need to try to keep those wait times on the thrift line uh, going down. Um, What do you expect to see if do we if we even know of what the measures will be? You mentioned Congresswoman Norton, Congresswoman Spanberger uh, asking about this. Do we know what their intention is? Anything beyond the government accountability office? Uh, to to look at what the TSP is doing, how they'll measure whether the TSP is achieving what they say they're going to achieve.
1: Well, Francis, I, I, it, it does seem as if the, con- the, the the lawmakers involved have staffers assigned to this full time um, who are working closely with constituents to un- understand exactly what the issues are that they're facing. Um, you know, obviously from TSP, we hear that uh, they're working, they're doing all they can to address the concerns, and 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 that communication has been a, a big issue here, but. I think we, we do know that the Congress, that the lawmakers involved, are uh, you know, they're, they're not going to let up um, in terms of, uh, you know, the, the, their constituents need to have a firm response. They need to be seen to be um, listening to what, what their constituents have to say. Um, so they, you know, they're, they're keeping a close ear to the ground um, and they will they will want to see concrete, uh, a concrete reduction in complaints from constituents, a clear increase in the number of successful logins, you know, week by week uh, and, and month by month. And above all, a reduction in the wait times on on the helpline, thrift line. Um, that, That I think will be key. Um, to, to, to facilitate communication with, with, all, with, with, uh, with users going forward.
0: You write about some of the challenges that people had in trying to log on to the system, and Kim talked about some of those in our last conversation. You write, some users had to wait weeks for a security code to be delivered by mail, only being able to track the historical growth of their portfolio for a few months, previously able to go back multiple years. Do we know about how those problems are, Are, are what TSP is doing to try to address those problems?
1: So it does seem that part of this um, has been to do with the the demographic of of users of of the say of, of the of TSP of the savings plan. A lot of them tend to be older former federal employees who may not necessarily have all um, uh, the latest technology, who may not necessarily um, be super comfortable using uh, online uh, online platforms, using their phones, um, and so. Uh, in in uh, the, My understanding is that TSP has been working to make sure that, for example, these codes are, are sent out by mail in a more timely fashion um, and making sure that the users have the help they need you know, through the thrift line to walk them through processes that they may not be f- familiar with. So again, I, it, it seems that communication here really is going to be key for, for, for TSP going forward, making sure that users, um, older users have everything they need to, to access the, the, their savings.
0: John Hewitt Jones, thanks very much. Great reporting as always. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, Francis. You can read John's story about the TSP and lots of other news at fedscoop.com. The 2022 edition of Fed Talks is next Wednesday. The federal CIO Claire Martirana and the DOD CIO John Sherman are just two of the high level leaders in government, industry, and academia that you'll see there happening at the Ritz-Carlton in Pentagon City. You can find a link to learn more and register in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Air Force has a new name for its cyber people. What used to be known as the communication and information career field is now cyberspace and information technology. Wanda Jones-Heath is principal cyber advisor of the Air Force. In this conversation with Jamika Green-Aaron, the Chief Information Security Officer at Auth0, she describes the duties of her role.
2: It's a mandated position. Um, FY20, NDA language, uh, authorized the services to install a principal cyber advisor. I don't own anything, but I get the pleasure of really influencing and directing the entire cyber portfolio for the Department of Air Force. That means I represent the Air Force, as well as Space Force, and things like cybersecurity program, the culture and awareness of cyber. Cyber is everybody's business, as you talked about earlier. Uh, Being able to work talent management, our readiness and and understanding that, you know, what we need to be successful as a department. Things like supply chain risk management, uh, working with our industry partners to make sure they're secure. On day three, when, Uh, Honorable Kendall came in. Uh, He and I sat down and talked about how he wanted to use me. He asked one question. Can someone tell me the cybersecurity and cyber defense posture of the department? I almost fell out my chair. How can I do that? I'm a former CISO and I couldn't do it then. And so what he challenged me to do is really collaborate and partner across the entire department. I don't own any of the things that I need to report on. But I have to be a good partner, a good listener, and a good advocate to be able to actually do my job.
3: It sounds like you have an incredible role, and you don't own anything, which is great. (laughs) I want that job, too. So let's talk a little bit about digital transformation and the race to the cloud. What has that looked like for you? What role has identity played in that transformation and in that race to the cloud? And how does identity, what's the human part of that?
2: So, you know, you've heard a lot about identity and of course, anytime you change your infrastructure, we are moving to the cloud, we are racing, we have cloud one as our uh, uh, enterprise cloud, um, but you still have to authenticate. Mm -hmm. You know, you still have to have access um, and it's all about access. You can get into the hard shell of the cloud but you still need to have the authority to connect to different systems and applications. And so that persona has to be consistent. And when you see an anomaly, then you should be able to cut that off. Um, We do a lot of um, opportunities to, to increase our cybersecurity for our cloud. And, and one thing that I did um, just to prove a point and to ensure from a user perspective is have a bug bounty on our on our cloud, right? And and really uh, demonstrate all the things that we talk about. You know, can we really you know get into the cloud? Can you really you know have access to things that you shouldn't? And and it really proved the point. Number one, we always have issues. Nothing is fireproof, right? And it, it, but it allowed us to really look at what we needed to change, what we needed to invest in, and then how do we do that from a user experience and cybersecurity perspective?
3: So you don't know this, but I will tell you one of the best tools that I have available to me is my bug bounty program. So much so that I had dinner at RSA with the bug bounty creator and also met with the Hacker 1 CISO. Those programs I think are incredibly valuable to us because we all have internal pen testing programs, but we don't know what we don't know and that attack surface is really broad. So I'm so glad that you brought that up because it's one of my favorite things to do is work with the researchers. Let's talk a little bit about how we put humanity back into identity and into that technology. You talked a little bit about the programs that you have, but why is this so important? Why is identity the new perimeter? What's so important about that? And how does that work for you and and your your group?
2: Um, One of the speakers earlier talked about um, technology. So for me, it's people, process, and technology. Mm -hmm. Um, The people piece I'll, I'll get back to, but the technology is really about you know, the investment in the right types of tools, you know, whether you're automating or or trying to streamline um, your process, you know, and you need the people, you know, the human piece will always be there. We have bots, we have all types of um, tools, but if you don't have that human that understands what's really going on, then you're going to be behind the eight ball when it comes to cybersecurity, you know, having those uh, architects you know, cloud architects or security architects, you know, having folks who understand data and process, you know, flows and things like that. We talked about zero trust. All of that um, combined with your human aspect and talent management is the key to all everything that we do. I can't do anything that I want to do without that human interaction. And, you know, uh, when we start to transform, a lot of people get kind of, you know, squintish because, you know, what about my job? Right. You know, as we transform, so just your skills. Yes. You have to be able to to hone retrain, and, and use those humans um, in different ways. And we just have to learn to adapt and then be able to continue to move and transform as things change. You know, the adversary doesn't care, you know, if we have the right people, the right tools, right? And so in order to keep up with them, we have to learn to move quicker quicker to close those gaps.
3: And one of the things that you and I talked about at, at the table was the personas that, that are in the DOD, right? For me, in industry, it's new hire, training, employee, term. Um, in the DOD and in the government, it's completely different, right? My personas were different. I went from seaman recruit to, you know, from ship to shore duty um, to veteran. Um, And now into industry and so and and when we think about this and we think about like even the Department of Veterans Affairs When you leave the Department of Veteran Affairs, it's it's upon death essentially And so for us as an identity provider It is important that we understand each of those personas and that we get it, right? Um, do you think that we're on the right path to doing that?
2: Um, I think we we are but you know uh, for me you have to step back and really assess and understand what those personas are about. Every persona could be different. Mm -hmm. Then how does your system, you know, from an automation standpoint, you know, AI, be able to help you track those personas and make sure that if you authenticate them, that they are who they say they are? And then how do you then do that on a continuous basis, the authorities that they have, based on that persona? And that can change, you know, within days. How does your system um, is able to react um, to that?
3: Well, my last question is one that maybe the audience has, but I most certainly have it. Tell me a little bit about your journey as a black woman in cybersecurity. I think you know it is such a rarity to sit across the stage with another black cyber professional, but specifically a woman. And so I'd love to hear a little bit more about that journey and how you've had 32 years of longevity in this industry.
2: Yes, so so 32 years of not wearing a uniform, so I am a true DOD civilian. Um, and I've lived all over the world, um, because the government has allowed me to do that. But I started as an intern, so from intern to C-suite, it has not been an easy road. Of course, you know, everything, uh, comes with a price. Um, I do have a family, so I have to balance the, you know, the work and the family as much as I can. But, you know, the challenges and the things that, um, a woman, female in this male-dominated, um, uh, career field, you know, can be challenging, but I tell you, if you have the will and the won't, um, you can continue to move. If you have folks who are in your corner, mentors, coaches, sponsors, you know, those are the folks that will help you when you can't help yourself. Um, you also have to be willing to raise your hand. You know, there were times when no one wants to do a particular job. You know, I've not always been in cybersecurity. People think I've been in security from the beginning. I started my cybersecurity journey um, in 2014, um, and I've just, you know, uh, have a uh, comp-sci degree in math, so that analytical skills allowed me to really pick things up really quickly. Um, I raised my hand and did jobs that were outside of my career field, just to make sure that I can have conversations with non-technical people, mm-hmm. and things like that. The, the being a female um, also brings, um, you know, the role model piece, and, and someone is always watching, and so I give back quite a bit. I'm a huge component of mentorship programs, protege programs, shadow programs, Anytime that I can give back and demonstrate, you know, how to do things, I'm willing to do that. I shared with you yesterday, I'm working on my doctorate degree in strategic leadership, and my focus is on women. You know, where are the women in the C-suite? And so, you know, based on the challenges that I went through, the literature proves it, and then when I did my field study, it also proves it. And, you know, we can always um, come to the table, but it helps when we have people who invite us to the table. And so that is my charge to to everyone at the table. If you don't see diversity, you know, diversity is about being innovative, about allowing others to bring their experience, their their skills, um, their training to the table. And if we don't see us at the table, number one, I'll bring my own chair. And number two, I will ask you to slide over and give me a chair.
0: Wanda Jones-Heath, Principal Cyber Advisor at the Air Force with Jamaica Green-Aaron of Off 0 You can find a link to watch the video of that conversation in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop Podcast is available on all the podcast platforms. If you don't want to miss a show, you can subscribe and get the show every weekday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you get your shows, and on any device you get your shows. And if you really like The Daily Scoop Podcast, leave us a five-star rating and a review. It will help more people find the show. The Daily Scoop Podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney and Carlin Fisher helped me put the show together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. The Daily Scoop podcast is back tomorrow. Until then, I'm Francis Rose. Thanks for listening.